A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw, NXT 2. But oh, you know, we join my AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions. Roundup of the week completes with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet to review SmackDown and what a sensational episode of television this was! Fantastic. Um, this was right, far from a perfect wrestling television show, and it's almost like so we have a lot of debate on when we're all three of us in the room, me, you, and Sidgwick, about the the perceived quality of like Triple H's version of WWE versus. AEW, when really, like, a lot of the praise seems to be Triple H's WWE versus Vince McMahon's WWE. Yeah. He's got the, like, the easiest start to life, effectively, because the biggest comparison is going to be 20 years of bad television. <laughs> like, that's a hell of a standing start for Triple H. Um, but there are elements of this broadcast that I think stand up against uh, the best of the moments of WWE you've enjoyed from the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. There are elements of this broadcast that stand up against what I believe to be the best WWE ever. And there are elements, crucially at the moment, from the era of wrestling that we're in, that I believe stand up against the best of AEW. There is one segment in particular that I cannot believe I am fortunate enough that it's my job to be able to talk about it <clears throat> for a living because I loved it that much and I watched it back that much and I had so many thoughts yeah. on it. And WWE, even when it's great, and I'm like more, not so much patient, I'm just more susceptible to WWE, right? At the, when a WWE moment hits... I feel more than I probably should as a 37-year-old man. I think I'm the same, yeah. Right. But this was, this hit everything for me. This, like, all my, like, receptors felt like they were firing. All my synapses were firing. And it just, what it does is, especially because it took place so early in the show and then was peppered throughout and it had an impact on other things, as all good angles should, it felt like, as you would hope, the rest of the show was elevated for it. There yeah. were huge, huge WWE systemic problems with this SmackDown in the way that now, and I've said this before, we should identify. The stuff where we'd kind of given up critically analysing a Raw or a SmackDown because why has that happened? Because Vince McMahon is an absolute clueless clown of an idiot who should have given up this job 20 years ago. Now, I like that Triple H is here so we can pick at stuff. I much prefer the debates we find ourselves having around an episode of Monday Night Raw from the things we loved or hated and the reasons why, rather than just, this was good in spite of itself. This was terrible (laughs) because of course it was. Like, we're actually able, we're encouraged to have, like, discussion and debate and some discourse about what, why we believe this is working in WWE, why in Sidgwick's case, like he would say, 
it's the low bar. It's only the low bar, whatever. Like, I like these conversations. I think there were points on this SmackDown where this was every kind of great, even when, like, you might only be one segment away from some WWE nonsense. Yeah. I was so impressed with elements of this show. Yeah. Th- uh, one of my favorite things we do every year is at the end of the year, me, you, and Siege will get together on a series of podcasts and talk about our favorite matches, our least favorite matches, our favorite moments, and our least favorite yeah. moments. And just, like, it's a fun recap of it all. Um, but my issue is sometimes having, maybe it was just cause, because recently AEW is the hot new thing, so it was always to the forefront of my yeah. mind. I always felt guilty about being like, AW this and AW that, and maybe not necessarily shining a light on WWE as much for the better things. Because yeah. I know some people uh, out there are um, obviously prefer WWE and feel, feel potentially sometimes perspectives can get skewed mm. as a result of AW's presence and what have you. This program had, I think, non-wrestling, not in not in-ring action, possibly the best non-wrestling or non-match related thing I've seen this year. And I'm including the big fire up John Moxley promo and, and things like that in there because this took me on such an emotional roller coaster <laughs> yeah. for a show that I was like, we were tu- I was tuning in trying to watch The Fiend show up basically, <laughs> which didn't happen, but we will get into that. Yeah. And I didn't stay up to watch it, thank goodness. But if I had, I would have felt justified, vindicated through this opening segment alone because I've been saying it for quite some time about how good Sami Zayn is. Mm. We've talked a lot about how he's gamed the system. And a lot of that is just sort of a cheat code to be like, yeah, it's pretty good to get paid a wage and and not hate your job, which he went through at certain points in his WWE career. Mm -hmm. This is different level. Yeah. I would say... um, well, I mean, I guess we could just get into it, I suppose, because it is the opening segment. But very much what this looked like it was going to be changed the second the group came out. And I don't just want to put that on Sami Zayn. Or for that matter, Solo Sukawa, because it's too easy to say that, like, just the addition of two people to an act have transformed it. Because they haven't. There's a lot of moving parts here. But me and you, over what was otherwise just a constant weekend of gratification and joy and, like, I don't know, just euphoria in Dallas were at odds over one enormous thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, like, diametrically opposed. <laughs> yep. Right? Everything is brilliant. Everything is brilliant. Oh, my God. Like, Tony Khan's made Ring of Honor brilliant. Uh, WWE is the best version of itself. And then the next night, WWE is the worst version of itself. And within the worst version of itself, it's produced two or three of the funniest, stupidest things you're ever going to see on a wrestling <laughs> show. Right? And then this Roman Reigns thing occurs, and I'm just appalled that this level of, like, in as as I saw it, laziness, or and not from Roman specifically, but the more the presentation of the character, yeah. was being taken as the best thing in the industry, right? I was just, I was kind of offended on nobody else's behalf, that, like, they, like how dare this be what we're supposed to just accept as the top-line story, a match that we've seen 100 million times. A guy, again, not his fault, doing as little as he's ever done to get and stay over at the top guy in the industry. The match was one thing. The closing promo, three hours of, Roman's coming, Roman's coming, Roman's coming, Roman's coming. Beer, 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 beer. Acknowledge me, barcode. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, it, honestly, it felt like a piss take that they yeah. were getting away with and they were going to continue to get away with. 
And Cody Rhodes coming back felt like one of the reasons he felt like the only guy that could take the title was like, well, this guy's a savior here because he wants to work to yes, it. Yeah, the polar yeah. opposite. Like, maybe that's the point. Maybe we're going to see this guy that is going to graft and graft and graft. So much so that he created an opposition just to create a place to come back to. He's going to graft and graft and graft to take the guy that is doing less and less. And then reports come out that, like, oh, Roman's working a reduced schedule. Well, Christ, his schedule was pretty reduced when he was full time. <laughs> so, what exactly have we got here, right? And I'm in a bit of a pit of despair and existential dread over the bloodline. I've got my finger in the you're air. You're sticking your finger up in the air. Right, and then like, so I'm like, what? What is this? And then something definitely clicked for me in the Drew McIntyre program because I'm not a Drew guy. So what I was forced to look at was the contrast. Right, I was forced to look at. Well, they're telling me Drew is a top guy, and I cannot fake a feeling. And might that be because he's next to an actual top guy who I don't need to fake a feeling for? And then it starts clicking into place. And then in all this time, and Sami Zayn infiltrating the bloodline started as like a Vince McMahon creation. So for Triple H to kind of take that and run with it and potentially what he's done like i will give triple h some credit for how this story has escalated what he's done where where vincent man probably would have broken it is that triple h has enhanced it yes. like you just feel like eventually you would have been it's it's it was always the roy hodgson meme i love this i love this oh it's gone yeah like every week i go back to 2020 sasha and bailey yeah. was as like great as it was nerve-wracking because it's like well is this the week they they f it up like, is this the week that he just ruins it? Yeah. And like Sasha turns out of nowhere or Bailey loses the title and it's like, oh, you've ruined it. That was, that yeah. was, thanks, thanks for all the work them two did to keep this train on the track. You just derailed it. Like, and they, and they didn't. And you just sort of imagine that this Sami Zayn thing would ultimately come at nothing or Sami Zayn would be like, oh, we need a B show opponent. Roman is going to work. Uh, extreme rules. We have got Roman for payback. Yes. Yeah. Sami Zayn it is, whatever, like two and a half minutes on television. Didn't that sort of almost happen with the Brock Lesnar story? Mm -hmm. He was kind of getting fed, wasn't he? And it was like, we're, we're kind of reaching the expiration point for this. And Triple H has taken something that people genuinely felt something for, as he's done with most things, enhanced it. The characters clearly feel inspired by it based on the individual performances of every single person in the ring in this segment. And why we're talking about it before we've even got to the segment yes. is because like, it would only be this much conversation if we were analysing it. This is a... I don't know about it in terms of end of year list because it might not feel it now, but MJF CM Punk did take place in a lot of 2022. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as mad as that feels, right? However, this is the... Here we go. It's September 2022. This is the best thing in North American wrestling. Yeah, it is. Like, and I, I, you can... It, like, I'd, I'd love to have a debate on that. Like, in a way, like, if, if like, Cedric was in the room or we've certainly talked about it in the office, we have not actually talked about this in the office yet much, but, like, I put something out on Twitter last week because of an article I was working on. I was just keen, like, what is it you feel the most for in AW at the moment? Like, really in your guts? What do you feel? Anything? Loads of replies. So there's clearly stuff is connecting. Mm -hmm. I think, and I felt this on the timeline on Saturday as well, that even people that are, like, feel mostly detached, even from Triple H's WWE, were like, well, that was good, though. That was good. I, like... That's giddy That about took this. me on the ride that Festival you're supposed to go friendship on. levels, this. And I'd like to come back to that, if we may, because I have a take on that that's going to allow me to plug an Ooh. article I'm currently doing for the website. But that specific segment, like, relates to something else I kind of want to talk about when we've done this. So, Bloodline enters. Brilliant. Already already the best SmackDown ever. Starts with... All the gang are there. Solo anyway. should have his belt, because Sammy, being the one guy without a belt, dancing on the left-hand side of all this, would have just perfected the image. Yeah. Screw you, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> um, and they they recap what happened with, with Reigns and Logan Paul at that Crown Jewel press conference. And they do the whole pose, and the pyro goes off. And uh, Reigns says, Salt Lake City, acknowledge me! And they quite rightly do yeah. acknowledge their tribal chief. 
And then comes the wise man who calls them Salt Lake City idiots. He got there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zane thinks this is the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Huge pep. Uh, he said, look, don't feel too bad for Drew McIntyre losing on home turf because everything is basically Roman Reigns' turf. And now McIntyre's got another bridge to cross. Yeah. Um, and he explains that Solo Sokoa got involved not because of him or Roman or anything like that. The elders. Oh, the elders sent Solo Sokoa. Uh, he took got involved because uh, Brock Lesnar had taken out Heyman. The Usos were busy, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Don't blame Roman Reigns for his involvement. It was the elders that did it. Um, LTST, new- because remember when they came out that time when Roman had just turned heel uh. and gave him the lay? Like, there's this idea that, like, back on the island somewhere, if Roman's not there wimmling his cock, he's got, like, his grandparents being like, can you beat up that guy, please? Yeah. Yeah, sell this, certainly. Yeah. And put your dick away. Put a peacock on. <laughs> put that cock on. Put- can you set peacock on? Can you uh, make my telly record Smackdown, please? Oh, I've told this three times, Grandad. Uh, record? Or do I press it twice? Well, do you want a series link it? Well, you want it every week? No, <laughs> no I don't want a series link it. <laughs> So, uh, Solo Sokoa is the new enforcer on the island of relevancy. Uh, The Usos can focus on becoming immortal. Jimmy and Jay go to cut a promo about how they're going to retain their titles in the main event. More on that later, by the way. Something very cool later on. And they go to do the whole, you the twos and we the... And the tribal chief puts out his hands. He's got something he wants to say. He says, look, Solo, thanks and all that. The elders may have sent you... But you answer to me now. Acknowledge me. And Sokoa, despite being a bit of a bitch move, <laughs> somehow makes the phrase, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief, sound cool. Yeah. Incredible. Sokoa had a that. brilliant night. Yeah. Sokoa Sokoa had a brilliant night. They hug. Everyone's happy. Music plays. Let's start this show. Not quite, though. <laughs> because before we head off, Sammy Zane's got something he wants to say. And everyone's like, what the f*** are you doing, Sammy? And he says, oh, uh, 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 just turn the music on for a second. Before we go, I know technically I'm not blood. You know, I'm not blood, the blood of the bloodline. But, you know, you guys have uh, treated me like family. And I'd like to say, I also, uh, by the way, I also acknowledge you, my tribal chief. And reigns. People say that it's just by the numbers bollocks in WWE. You look in Roman Reigns' face throughout this segment and tell me that that is not Oscar-worthy, right? I've gone there. Because he gave him this look while smiling, and I thought, oh, it's dead. This is it. This is the end. Can we stop here? Yeah. Because I think, like, just for a second, because there's a lot to this, and we're going to get to the big bit next. A couple of things here. So one, like, we'll just analyse what we've seen so far. A fabulous formal introduction of Solo Sokoa into the bloodline, by the way, because it kind of made you forget that Roman wasn't there for the follow-through from Clash mm-hmm. of the Castle. So it's almost like nothing counts until he says it counts. His face acting there and in the Solo Sokoa segment was phenomenal. Like, really, really strong. He had things to react to. And then, like, the Usos then reacting to how Roman reacted. It's all... And, like, Heyman's always doing it, but, like, he was kind of always a little bit hammy compared to the rest mm-hmm. of them. But, like, now, when, like, Roman's got to react to something and then everyone's got to react to Roman... There's, like, a lot going on, and I was super impressed with that. And I want to put this back to you, right, because you did have your finger in the air back in Dallas all those months ago. I was, I, I was like, effusive of my praise in this. We talk about this before. Sometimes with Twitter, you're so excited, like, you just want to go out there and, like, spew some feelings, and then it's, like, three, three or four times it kept coming back to me, and I, like, fired out a couple of different things about this and, like, was enjoying, like, the conversation on it and stuff. 
But a few arseholes in my quote tweets, <laughs> I was like, the bloodline are amazing now. And like, somebody's like, always been, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to ask you, as we're sitting here face to face, you're not a troll, and we're not going to have a Twitter beef over this, but you certainly had your finger up in the air back in April. Like, when you're saying, like, Romans should win an Oscar, all that, like, he was exceptional here. Everyone, yeah. everyone was brilliant. Everybody knows their roles. And Roman, in particular, was, he, like, he made this, in a sense, because, it, it, like, this whole thing kind of lives and dies on how convinced you are by Roman and how, how you feel like you think it's going one way before it goes the other so many times is vital to the success of a segment yes. like this. I think it was lazy bollocks for a long time. And it's not now. And yes, I, like, I, where are you at with that? I like, agree. Uh, it's different level. I think. I think to a certain extent, I did enjoy it. Yeah. But not to this level. No. And I certainly. This is very different to when he was monologuing through his matches, which I enjoyed initially. And I was like, okay, get on with it. Those weeks of the show opening with this and nothing. Exactly. And there was no development. It was just like, acknowledge me. Who are you fighting this month? I don't know. Finn Balor or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's, and him, is, him and is, doing the prayer hands and all that like that. It's all one and good saying, oh, it's always been good. It's never been this good. No. No, 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 no. So, Roman goes, smiling, sort of, mm. says, uh, I like you, Sammy. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Oh, God. Why are you even speaking? And like you say, it's not just about looking at Sammy and Roman here, although their faces tell a pic, tell a story. Paul Heyman. <laughs> it's happening. It's oh, happening. no. That's it now. Yeah, I know what happens when he gets like this. Why are you even talking right now? Why are you even wearing our shirt? And Sammy looks like you've just murdered a million puppies in front <laughs> of him. Right. What are you even doing here? What do you want out of this? And Sammy's like, what? what? Yeah. And I'm I'm the same. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't do it, Daddy. <laughs> so he says, "What? What do you want? Oh, you can't answer me. Okay. Well, I, I've got something I want. Take that bloodline shirt off right now." And Sammy's like, "I, I don't know what's going on here, mm-hmm. Daddy. But yeah. I don't know if you're joking or what. But if this is about what happened with Logan Paul last week, trust me, I can explain." And Roman goes, "Nah. What the Logan Paul stuff?" Basically saying you kind of talked me into a match yeah. in the end. And also you insulted the wise man. And he says, take that fucking shirt off. Take it off, Sammy. And Sammy doesn't want to take it off. He's, he's part of the bloodline. He's the honor use. By the way, credit yet again. So Heyman's like, oh, bollocks. Solo and Jimmy yep. are going, I really don't really like this. Nervousness. Yeah. But if, if there's going to be a war, I know what side I'm picking. Meanwhile, and I'm standing up to do this. Take the shirt off! <laughs> Jey Uso is like, all of his Christmases have come at once. Oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. Finally, he's seen what I've been saying about this prick. <laughs> take the shirt off, Sammy! And before Sammy can take off, Jay just rips it off him. And he, like, it doesn't come off easily. That no. almost added to it. The fact that when Sammy's walking around a little bit later, he's still around his ankle. Yeah, trailing around his feet. Rips the shirt off him. And you're like, oh, here we go. He's going to get his head caved in now. Yeah. And Rain says... Don't, sorry, just again, because I want this to have it registered with all the heft. Not to sound weird, like, because every wrestler is by definition. Like, Sammy looked sort of naked in this moment. Yes. He? he looked so vulnerable that, like, you, not that he wasn't wearing trousers, but, like, when I say naked, I mean in the sense that, like, he is completely, I was cold, I was naked. Were you there? <laughs> Were you there? Like, he just looked completely vulnerable, bones of his arse. They're going to, like, it's a scene from Clockwork Orange where Alex and the Drews beat up the homeless person under the tunnel. It's just like, 
Oh, no. Like, oh, no. Yes. Dreading the pity of stomach stuff. Rain says, Sammy, you are never to wear a Bloodline shirt ever again. And there's a pause that, even if you watch it on double speed, lasts an eternity. Yeah. He goes, because I got you a new one. Oh, my God. 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 Oh That's my a combination God. of the two of us. Oh, that my God. He throws him this shirt. And arguably better. Yeah, than the, rest, the wrestler timing here, by the way. He though. opens it first. Oh. He sees it. Yeah. His face lights up again like a kid on Christmas. Yeah. Turns it round and it reads, Honorary Oos. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Great <laughs> And then... In the in the Hamlet household, in the Wilborn household, in the arena, in the WWE universe, I'm gonna use their parlance. A huge you pebby. A huge fing pebby. <laughs> Alright. The crowd starts chanting for Sammy. Sammy. I don't know what to do. <laughs> put the shirt on, put the shirt on. Even it's like manic. <laughs> were you like, were you like, put it on? Like, get the shirt on. Put the shirt on. Because Jimmy's there. <laughs> high five, man. I've watched that high five a hundred times. Jimmy's buzzing. Into Solo. And then it, I, I've slagged off WWE's production department for years. And I will continue to do so. But the shot of him leaping from Jimmy to Solo and then just a real close-up of Jey Uso's face. Uh, uh, oh, my God. And Sammy gets the mic. And he says, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. And he embraces Roman, who just does that look of like, yeah, I've got him now. And the hook goes on too long. Yeah. Like, it went on too long. And you're like, all right, Sammy, enough, mate. Like, you are now part of it. Like, Roman Reigns, and I've said this before, and I've used different words to describe it, is a gaslighting coward. Yep. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And he's such an effective gaslighting coward that I am the latest coward to be gaslit by him. <laughs> because I'm looking at this, and we are all collectively celebrating that Sami Zayn has been given the most patronising, condescending gift of all time. You've got a T-shirt with your name on it. Honorary use, SZ. Right. I want one. Everyone's I one. I want one, yeah. Like, uh, going to be a million seller of a shirt, right? But, like, they should make them customised with your own initials on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, but uh, honorary use, unbelievable. And he's getting given this thing right. And the comedy is inch perfect. Like, inch perfect. Edge and Christian with Triple H, the intense guy, the series, the goof, goofballs. Jimmy and Sammy doing the high five right next to Jay's crestfallen expression is one of the WWE moments of the year. Like, for them to have rehearsed it, and it's so, like, it's such a detailed, special high-five handshake thing. It's such speed. Like, they're mates at this point. And Solo, so happy for him. Solo is, like, what's great, right, is that, like, Solo's just been inducted as the enforcer, and that comes with it, this quite high pressure of protecting the Universal title. Also, we think, when it turns out what he's actually protecting comes later on with hilarious consequences. <laughs> Again, absolutely inspired. Paul Heyman playing almost like an avatar for the wrestlers being taken. I can do you a bit quick, Sammy. Like, it's taking you a long time to put this shirt on and you're celebrating a bit too much. I don't want Roman's smile to drop. None of us can let Roman's smile drop. We are all now complicit in this abusive relationship mm -hmm. that Roman holds over Sammy's in over the rest of us. Because, again... 
God, this is good. Like, not only are we now going to get, like, Sami Zayn continuing to be the human shield, but being more vindicated for that than ever. Like, he's done it kind of as a bit of a leap of faith previously. Yeah. And he's got people calling if out. If Owen said, what are you doing now? He'd yeah. Go, well, that's well what I'm doing. this is what I'm doing. i got this T-shirt. So, like, it's got to be the long road back for Sami. And at some point, oh, my God. The level of cruelty when these people, event, these awful people eventually turn on him at Roman's clicking the finger, that Tony Soprano moment where it's just like, this meant nothing to me and it never did. Like for Owens, the the friend to the end, as it were. Like, the match that we're all... We've all been talking about it for long enough. Like, Triple H wove this in a few weeks back when it was like, ah, oh, so you've got Owens just referencing Roman Reigns again. I mean, that's kind of useful. Yeah. Like, now we are on presumably on that road. And th- we're gonna, this has got to travel through another substantially big roadblock on November 11th that I cannot wait to talk about when we get to the point <laughs> in this, on this episode of SmackDown. What is going on? I know. Right? Like... What a sublime bit of wrestling television this was. And I want to talk about the Festival of Friendship. I'm writing an article at the moment that was partly inspired by a wonderful title that like you came up with. Um, and I've like I've only ever tweaked it ever so slightly because of this specific segment. It's <laughs> ooh, I don't know. I don't even want to say this out loud now. Maybe I'm gonna regret writing this. How uh AW walked so that Triple H's WWE could run. And what I mean by that is, is like in three years, we've talked a lot about the bar, right? The expectation has been raised as to what should be expected from the very bare minimum from a wrestling storyline because AEW exists. Thank God it does, right? They've reminded you yeah. that good stories should be the norm. Great ones are the, what you watch it for, but good stories that make sense. Plotting should be the very yeah. basics. <laughs> and for years, WWE didn't even bother with that, right? This has been really wonderfully plotted and plotting is great. And I'll be the first to like dole out probably too generous praise to just plotting and things making sense. But plots have to come with peaks and valleys and emotional moments and these, these, incre- these things that just stick with you. So like next week, probably can't have a bloodline segment as good as this one no. right but the point is is that you now cling on to that as you sort of as the, the pivot point for the next chapter of the story and like it's something that AEW showed could still be done mm-hmm. we tried to suggest that like that was dead within weekly episodic pro wrestling and it never was they just got lazy and this was a reminder that it needs to be done and the festival of friendship came to my mind of course it did because of that like um, you know, that sort of feeling of like this big home run segment with a huge payoff at the end. Of course, this is the, if the Festival of Friendship is a home kit, this is very much the away kit, right? Because for one, it features Sami Zayn and Kev, instead of Kevin Owens. For two, it features what appears to be a joyous conclusion rather than a devastating one. And for three, Sami Zayn directly flipped how the Festival of Friendship included. Jericho holds the list up, so we're in on it first because it ends in an attack. Here, Sami Zayn holds a T-shirt because he's got to be in it before we are for the reveal of the opposite of an attack, an embrace, right? And here we go as to why AW can be directly held partially responsible for something of this quality. Who made the Festival of Friendship go up without a hitch? Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. in spite of whose whims? Triple H's. Do you remember Triple H was manning that role? Yeah. And, Vin- and Trip- uh, Jericho was one of the few people that was like, now we're doing this. And I'll call Vince to get the green light on this. Right, because the, it has to be bombastic. Triple H was like, I think we just need a few more skulls and to scale it back. <laughs> and Jericho was like, you're an idiot, mate. Like, this needs to be as audacious as it possibly can be. i got to be in a party hat looking at that script when my doe eyes, like, when I see the list. Why is my name on the list? Like, we have to have had... The, 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 the picture needs to be in the background, the oil painting, the Vegas dancers, the whole deal. Like, it all needs to be out there, otherwise this does not resonate, right? Same thing here. And who was backstage and creative? Triple H, he's learning, right? <laughs> and Chris Jericho over there in AEW that was able to drive this, like, can probably look on on this and be like, this guy that I always thought was a B-plus player, have I actually gotten through to him? Yeah. Like, as as my sort of, like, we're all giving Triple H grief for what he might do to our NXT, right? The boring guy. Maybe he won't, 
because maybe he's learned that it has to be a buffet. And who told everybody about the buffet? AEW, Chris Jericho, these creative people. Like maybe he, from his heavy, heavy losses sustained in the Wednesday Night Wars, that, you know, yeah, they beat our development. Good no, they didn't. Like they beat the thing that you cared the most about in the world. I did too, you big nose prick. <laughs> you killed it, right? Uh, maybe he's learned. Maybe he has realised that you have to do it all because the reveal of that T-shirt that was absolutely by design, right? Sami Zayn with wrestler instinct of how to hold it and protect the big payoff. Like you have to see his face because you were just as nervous. Like you think it's good, he's giving him a T-shirt, but it's it, you got it. Like Enzo More himself said it when he was destroying Simon Gotch backstage. It's not just about a pop, is it? It's about a double pop, <laughs> right? Steve Austin glass smashes pop. Steve Austin appears double pop. Like, this was how you get one. Yeah. Incredible. Like, yeah, I'm saying CM Punk MJF. I know that's the, some of the best stuff I've seen in, like, that's generational pro wrestling. But I am talking about this as if this is in the conversation. Yeah. We've gone, however long we've gone, only describing this one segment. <laughs> this was, like, masterful, masterful stuff. And, like, several matches will spawn. And you just want to keep watching. You just want to keep looking. So much so that it might not be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn who take the tag team titles off the Usos, but more on that in a little while. Yeah. Anyway, 28 minutes into the podcast. Sorry, we'll move on sorry to everybody. Next sorry. No, I love it. We got carried away. It was absolutely sensational, uh, as we said. Uh, then it was time for the SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan, to take on Lacey Evans in a non-title match. Get her arse handed to her. Mm. Basically, this match, I'm not going to run through a lot of the action because it was Lacey Evans just dominating, so much so uh, after she kicked Morgan hard in the chest pretty much to start. Uh, there was a point in the match where Lacey Evans knocks Morgan down and has time to do press-ups because she's just a phenomenal specimen. The announcers are putting over, ooh, not a good sign. A, she's getting battered in this match, but also she's going to have to become a bit extreme <laughs> to beat Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules Did match. Did you pick up that messaging? Because if you ask me, it was too subtle. Yeah, yeah. about as subtle as MJF in the <laughs> main event of Dynamite last week. Anyway, so she got battered, like I said, and then towards the end, Lacey Evans inexplicably goes, only a kendo stick, yeah. goes outside, comes back in, swings for Morgan, Morgan ducks, re recovers, hits a code breaker, hits the oblivion, one, two, three, Liv Morgan wins, uh, fairly nothing to match, if we're perfectly honest. And then post-match, I went, ah, oh, hey, like that, <laughs> because she gets the kendo stick, she's won, yeah. she gets the kendo stick, and then she goes, nah, chucks it down. And you're like, oh, no, it's Bailey all over again. They're going to ruin this. And then she goes, no, actually, no. Gets it, batters Evans with it, Russian leg sweep onto the barricade on the outside. And you're like, okay, okay, Liv, I'm getting into this. And she sets up a table. And you go, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, kind of by the numbers thing. She goes up top. And you go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Credit to the cameraman here who got quite the view. Right. This sent on off the top looked like it killed both of them. It took everybody out, didn't it? Yeah. But I suddenly went, oh, no, yeah, she can beat Ronda Rousey. Like, I don't think she will still. Yeah. I still think it's the right decision as well to take the title off her. But this was one of the few times where I was like, there's the SmackDown Women's Champion right there. Yeah. They clawed success from the jaws of, like, a pretty catastrophic failure here. It was a bad match, right? It was a bad match that was on the nose with its messaging and the messaging was poorly delivered. So it couldn't have gone more wrong. My wife has this thing sometimes where she'll be watching if she's like by osmosis catching some wrestling that I'm watching and it's two wrestlers that are either laying it in really stiff or whether she realises it or not, she's kind of been a little bit drawn in. Yeah. And she'll ask me, so it's just very sort of like, 
like a sort of a passing comment of like, they're friends, aren't they? And it's like, they might not be best mates, but the implication is like, work, this hasn't gone off the rails. No. Like they're working together. Like they're, you know, and like, I, I kind of had that a little bit in the match. I was like, I hope they're friends backstage because they're, there's gonna there's gonna be some bumps and bruises and cuts off the back of this. Laying it in. Yeah, I hope that there's like handshakes when they get backstage and they're happy with their work and it's not like a bit niggly and a bit like they're not potato farming out there because it was not great. And yeah, I thought like the messaging was not on the nose, like it was on the nose and yet poorly delivered because Liv Morgan didn't look like she could hang at all. And then this spot, not just the uh, like the kind of the chaotic execution of it, taking out the cameraman and the fact that it was such a risky spot in the first place. And like I, I've never taken a bump in my life, hopefully never will. But like the, how easy it looks, at least as a layperson, to under or over rotate on a yeah, senton and how overshoot. You, yeah, yeah. How your body could just like, especially doing it that way. And the fans just came like completely unglued for it. And like tables are a cheat code. They absolutely are. The, yeah. no, the noise is big, but they came unglued for the visual of it. And I, Liv Morgan, suddenly looked like somebody. What she'll do is die to keep the title. So it's like becomes Ronda. Look, you've seen it. Are you going to have to kill me to win it? So it's like, all right, challenge accepted. And I too, I'm now <laughs> yeah. on, the, I'm on the hook for that. They've shown me a version of the story that I want to see. So out of nowhere, a pass. Yeah, I, I don't know how they got there, but a pass. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, then we're backstage. Uh, Hit Row have got a party going on. Street Profits show up, Shinsuke Nakamura shows up. But the, the real thing here, just I'm just going to talk about it all in one yeah, go, basically. Um, because there was a party, and then um, the, the, the the story immediately that came out of it was uh, Los Lotharios are going to have a match, presumably against Hit Row next week, because they couldn't come into the party, which also had featured Drew Gulak, Sonia Deville, Natalia, and Zia Lee. Uh, We're only in Aksana and Million Dollar Man Short. It's been like a reunion episode, aren't they? And they crack onto B Fab, and then they get kicked out, and then and then later on, uh, they barge straight back in and super kick Hit Row and Bale. But the overarching thing here was more clues about the White Rabbit. Yeah, right. We'll do that second. Um, this was useless. This was absolute useless garbage trash. Right, and if we're gonna. Like, if, if this SmackDown is to be held up against, say, like an episode of Dynamite, which I believe we would probably both say yeah. it could be, uh, I'll take 10 interrupted interviews in a row because at least the people given cutting the promos are really good. Like, at least uh, 
MJF and Wheelie Uta's interrupting interruption promo results in like an awesome MJF line or a cool big cast beatdown or whatever. This was crap on top of crap on top of crap <laughs> over three or four useless segments that showed me things I didn't want to see or think about the SmackDown like undercard. The last thing you want to do with these guys who you kind of for the longest time in WWE. If you weren't a winner, you were a rank bottom feeding loser, and there was absolutely no in between. Triple H has done such a good job. We've already said it about mid card titles and about mid carders in general, and about Roman Reigns B challenges and all these people that have just feel like they've got a purpose. And then you do these segments where it's like, oh, so these are the purpose free complete dorks, are they? Like I, ju- I couldn't think of much worse. If the whole thing exists as a background segment to the White Rabbit to the QR code, um, find a better thing to put a QR code in. Was it Austin Theory warming up on Raw? Like, yes, I think so. That would do. Like, I don't need streamers and balloons and punch and hit row getting, like, jumped for the for the white rabbit tees. Like, they were putting things on people's car windows. That's super mega creative, and that's going to, it's yet again going to generate conversation that WWE can pretend is not because of them, mm-hmm. which is what's so inspired about the white rabbit music playing and the ad breaks and things like that. Should we talk about that now? Yeah. Right. So there was no Fiend on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, that was the big thing. Do- dominated our preview. There was no Fiend. They said they hadn't promised him, but the 23rd of the ninth was a thing to look at. So clearly now what we know. And then there. So th- this week's teasers were um, for Edmonton, which is where Monday Night Raw is tonight, for Patricide, which is the murdering of your father, which a lot of people have gone to look at as the last promo Bray Wyatt cut in FCW where he talks so, about yeah. how he burnt his dad alive in the house or something like that anyway it's, it's Wyatt Law the people that love it can go and enjoy it on Reddit we've made our feelings very clear on this but bigger picture stuff Smackdown you were telling me before we recorded looks possibly set to do a pretty sizable number this week mm-hmm. now you have to credit Bray Wyatt with that because all week do we time their hype package to perfection it's like you got four days that's Enough time to get excited without the juice like all being drained from the free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people were absolutely tuning into SmackDown to see something. If they don't feel like they were ripped off because there was no Bray Wyatt, and I don't think they will because the Bloodline stuff was so good, as yeah. you pointed out, and there was a main event that was like you could hang your hat and coat on. So like, I kind of think that people won't feel too ripped off. This Bray Wyatt thing is already kind of like, or the idea of Bray Wyatt being teased has already kind of paid itself off with an enormous number. Yeah, I was, I was, I was disappointed he didn't show up, but then I was like, oh, okay, that's. It's a bit cheeky, mm. and I'm not expecting him to show up on Raw, for example. Yeah. It'd be a su- nice surprise if he does, mm. but now you're like, oh, okay, this is breadcrumbs that's probably going to get us to Extreme Rules or something. Yeah, and so I have I hate that I'm getting sucked into the type of things that people who make very weird photoshops on Twitter do. <laughs> but this week in particular, I, I'm left with a completely different perception of this Bray White thing now, um, and I'm going to use this to talk about it because I don't know how it might play out as of Raw tonight. The White Rabbit was what felt initially like a nice red herring for Karrion Cross, didn't it? Because of the Lucha Underground character that he was promoted as, even if it never came to fruition. And now we have this thing about, but like people are being encouraged to go look back at yet more Bray Wyatt things from his past to inform his future. We had the flickering lights on um, Monday Night Raw with Alexa yeah. Bliss, where Lily was referenced again as being the only thing about a character that kind of still has bite and all the rest of it. Uh, Braun Strowman is back and... Tag like targeting tag teams despite <laughs> being a singles wrestler for a reason that has yet to be explored. Um, again, all of this is headcanon. Uh, so Karen Cross is back, White Rabbit, Braun Strowman, ex White family member, back targeting tag teams almost as if he's in need of a partner. It could be out there. Dexter Loomis is back, right, and targeting the Miz with a home invasion, no less. He's targeted the Miz with a home invasion before. The point I'm getting to here is that we looked at these people coming back 
uh, is uh, Triple H is making his moves. Mm-hmm. He's bringing back the people he liked. But nobody stopped to ask narratively why they might have all been coming back. Like, is there not like a fake reason as well as a real one? Mm-hmm. The real one is like, hey, Nick Khan shouldn't have deleted you from this bridge. <laughs> but what if, I cannot believe I'm saying this, what if it's the fiend? Like, what if Bray Wyatt is gradually putting his pieces together and these comebacks all happening around the same time are linked and he is putting together his own like adjacent goth nonsense group. Like, and the White Rabbit is supposed to be carrying cross and the flickering lights and leg split smash is because the Fiend remembers and Dexter Lemus is targeting the Miz because the Fiend targeted the Miz by going into his house no less and trying to spook him and it didn't work. And like, God damn, why am I becoming a Reddit law weirdo? Because... It's fairly easy. It's fairly easy to thread it all together, isn't it? Like, uh, like this is. I'm not even passionate about any of these people, and like Bray included. Truthfully, we have a lot of fun with the Fiend, and I would kind of like to see how we would, we've talked about this at length. How we would go in Triple H's I do want to watch it. Like, is this a thing? Is this a Wyatt stable? Is like Eric Redbeard waiting on the surface to be Braun's tag partner in this war that he's waging against tag teams? Like, is this? Is this the thing? Like, I don't know. That's why I'm talking about it now because there could be a raw tease tonight that could do away with all of that. And it could just be, nice Bray, he's on his own. He's a eight-year-old world. There's a frigging lantern in the Extreme Rules poster. So it appears now that it would be that this is all leading to the, mm-hmm. the premium live event rather than TV. Is this, like, of all these guys come back at the same time for a reason, and it's not just because we on the internet are like, well, it's because Triple H liked him. Is it like, well, no, he's picking people specifically because this is a story now. Mm. I don't know. Like, am I just a Reddit creep? No, I, 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 I there's certainly <laughs> justification for it there. And I, I, I just... It's, it's nice to get excited about something and, you know, fantasy book something and not go, I mean, it's probably going to be ruined by this time tomorrow or whatever. Like, if these five dorks all come together at the pay-per-view and they're all together, it's not just, oh, we just made that up off the top of our head, is it? It's something that he's identified from the start and, like, Triple H has put a little group together of nerds that the, the other, like, five grand belt purchasers can enjoy. Mm. Like, LTST, I, I don't know. Man. I don't know. Like, I don't know. LTST, long-term storytelling, baby. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe. You can't take note. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Well, actually, we do take so note, well. because this is how you do a backstage beatdown, Tony. Oh, my God. Zane is being a little bitch, uh, <laughs> moaning about the fact he's not got a vegan meal, and now he's an honorary use. He should get everything he wants. And up rolls Mad Cat Moss and Ricochet. And I have nev- I love Mad Cat Moss and Ricochet. Yeah. Ricochet in particular, but I also like Mad Cat Moss. And I've never been like, I'll piss off. You WWE speaking losers. You go, what's happened to you? You're obnoxious and unbearable, which was true before, but now <laughs> it's even worse. Yeah. And uh, and they go, you got your head all the way up Roman Reigns' ass. And then suddenly, <laughs> before they can say any more, I think the phrase is getting trucked. Yeah, I would say so. Solo Sokoa can run through <laughs> both of these dorks, smashes them into a garage door, chucks them into it. One too many times for Ricochet. Ricochet was that keen to smash his own head in that he did it by himself, but oh my god, otherwise. And he batters him, oh. kills him dead, and Sammy goes, thanks, Solo. I was just about to do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're dealing with the bloodline now! Shout out to Xavier Woods oh, for fo- yeah. folding that into D'Lo Brown's music on Twitter. This was unbelievable. Why? When stupid old... Looks more like Skinner than Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels said, uh, can I have my belt back, please? Why don't Solo Scott do this and say, no, and just take it with him? Because Jesus Christ, what a beatdown. I didn't know WWE had it in them to do a backstage beatdown with this much impact. I just thought, like, they always feel fake. It's always just, like, nonsense. Oh, well, now we've had a fight in a car park. I guess it's time for a wrestling match. It's When you really pick it apart, it's ludicrous. 
This was a mugging. This yeah. was an absolute assault. Whatever Call the, the police. F- whatever the FTW championship is in WWE, create it and just give it to Solo Sokoa. Jesus Christ. Like, he absolutely, like, I love it. I love the idea that wrestlers are told, lay it in, or like, it's got to look real, or whatever it is, because not including the one he absorbed himself, I think like Ricochet probably took a couple of lumps here. This was excellent. Go back. If you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast, and you've maybe seen the Bloodline segment yeah. or you caught your highlight, like, find this and watch it because it is a great backstage beatdown. And I almost never say that about WWE backstage beatdowns. Uh, we get a great video package all about the Usos. I think 430-odd day reign. I, this podcast is going to be four hours long. I feel like I want to stop and analyze every segment. This was so great. This was so, so great, right? Again, I'm going to put it to you first before I give my thoughts. The Usos being long-standing tag champions. Tell me that this was just crap for a bit until it wasn't. Because it was pretty crap for a bit. And now it was kind of by the numbers. Yeah, and now it's literally by the numbers and it's absolutely awesome. <laughs> this video package was fantastic. Like, Paul Heyman narrates it, which makes you believe that, like, he got in league with Kyle O'Reilly. He was like, make me a video package. <laughs> and, like, so you believe it. It's not just like, hey, roll the footage. It's like, we sat together and, like, made a video package to talk about how class we are because we defend the belts tonight and that should feel special. The Usos defend the title should feel like Roman defend the title. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've done it. And then the numbers come up and I love numbers, right? And... You're doing the maths, and it's like they've got this till they beat demolition, and they've got so it's like, hang on, are we in the demolition New Day conversation here? Because I remember when the New Day broke that record, and that was amazing that yeah. we were in the demolition conversation, and now we're in the demolition New Day conversation, and they're going to pass demolition, and then you look at the maths, and it's like they break the New Day's record if they get through Friday, then November the 11th, Friday, November the 11th. Jesus Christ, you're telling me in September that you're going to set up an incredible. So what you're doing is you're effectively saying, well, the brawling brutes got no chance tonight. But in doing so... We knew that already. Yeah. You are promoting now that November 11th SmackDown main event, effectively. And, like, remember this, right? This is, like, one of them remember this tweet moments because we'll be doing the preview podcast on November 10th. No, November 11th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be doing that preview podcast sitting together and we'll be like, remember in September when you said, and now here we are. Because that's happening, isn't it? Yeah. That is happening. It's going to be the Usos versus the New Day because the New Day have got to try and stop them breaking their record. Timestamp this. That's brilliant like <laughs> seriously that is absolutely brilliant like had you thought about that no we pour over the bloodline at the moment and i hadn't considered that and they just sh- was like yeah they've had this titles for ages yeah and they were like no it was when they beat the mysterious and i was like bloody hell was it then like the usos in the new day is like the tag legacy rivalry of the last like decade in WWE because there hasn't been any others and like more of the matches are good than not i know they're an exhausted pairing but like typically they just have their cheat code. They have, like, they have the magic formula, don't they? Like, they're often good in spite of bad booking. Yeah. You've got that amazing night when the Usos gave up the place so Kofi could, like, the... Uh, uh, oh, my God. So much, like, so much deep... The SummerSlam kickoff show that was better than anything on the pay-per-view. Yeah. There's, just, there's so much law, like, good law. The Hell in a Cell match where they made a prison out of kendo sticks. Like, it's classic, classic stuff. And the New Day have got to stop them, basically, knocking them off the throne as the all-time great modern era WWE tag team. Speaking of which, I've got a joke for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Matt and Nick. Matt and Nick who? That's the show business. I can't believe you did that to me. I cannot believe you did that to me. Shawn Michaels won the 1995 Royal Rumble. Buy your Royal Rumble tickets. That came next. I wonder if somebody walking through the door from Orlando there, but I guess not. Uh, and then we got the team who were actually going to take the titles off the, the new, <laughs> off the Usos even. Uh, not the New Day. They were in action, but they were against Maximum Belt Models. Mansoir and Mace. Mace who? Marseille, Marseille. I do believe. Uh, 
And it's still uh, funny that Mansoir might be working like Saudi, isn't it? And like yeah, he's done these shows as like, uh, come on, be the best guy. <laughs> he's got to come out there and pout and preen and be a model. Great to be home. They dominated as well early on. Yeah. So much so that Maxime Dupree decides to snatch his camera from a cameraman and take pictures. Uh, but in the midst of all this, because they're posing whilst they're beating up, uh, I think it was Kofi. Oh, no, maybe it was Xavier, actually. They're posing with it. Kingston hits uh, Marseille with a drop kick. Uh, Woods gets the backwards on on uh, Mansoir and gets a victory. It's like two and a half minutes, this. But it's all about the post-match because mm. Max Dupree has had enough. Furious, screamed at them, stormed out. We're getting closer. Tricky, this, isn't it? Because maximum models are doomed, but the guy we like the most from the act isn't. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, a bit of a score draw, I would say. Yeah. You just sort of sense, right, well, triple Not doomed, but they're good jobbers. Yeah, and that's maybe the best. That's the ceiling for it, which is fine, I guess. They uh, need one more thing. They've got the tag and the look. I need one more thing. Yeah. To make the... I just, just to complete the package. Yeah. Um, aye. But... The LA Knight stuff feels like it's as good as good as over the line now, doesn't it? So we just get to wait for the moment where yeah. I, the thing I'm worried about with that is that you know we sort of describe the levels of the pop for the Sami Zayn T-shirt reveal. Like we love that Triple H listens. Thanks for listening. Keep subscribing, Paul, and um, we're giving you reason to watch the show, Paul. Uh, does he think that the arena is going to pop as loud as we will when <laughs> Max Dupree becomes LA Knight? Because I love the guy, but I mean, you I don't know. Not measure your expectations, haven't you? Like I don't know. Uh, so there's another bit with a backstage party um, in amongst all this, but also a video hyping up Otis and Braun that made them feel like the the two biggest giants in the industry. The ring crew are reinforcing the ring. They also did a tailor the tape before the match. Great. Put well, Otis over as a real threat to Braun Strowman. Justified as well, by the way, because you think it was frigging Andre the Giant the way the crowd reacted when Braun came out. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Is it, is it the trousers or something? Like, I like brightly coloured gear. What? Like, I, I thought I liked brawn enough, but clearly nothing compared to Salt Lake City. Bloody hell. He's very over, yes. Uh, gets the early advantage, but when he tries to run Otis over outside the ring, Gable distracts him, and that allows Otis to send him into the barricade and post him and take over, basically. Uh, that takes us to a break, I believe. And then when we come back, Strowman fights back, Runs over both Otis and Gable on the outside to a great reaction. Tosses Gable over the barricade into the timekeeper's area. But in amongst all this, that's allowed Otis to recover. And uh, I think he targeted the leg. And uh, Otis hit uh, Strowman with a world's strongest slam for a two-count and a Vader bomb for a two-count. But when Otis comes off the top with a flying headbutt, Strowman moves, power bomb, one, two, three, to a great reaction, like I say. Yeah, the world's strongest slam was the only sort of wonky moment in what was otherwise like two ginormous guys doing things with their bodies that you just, is never not wonderful to look at. You know, it's like Gable was great as well, obviously. I'm not so sold on what exactly they're doing with Braun yet. Again, maybe that's maybe that's why I'm trying to tie it into some Bray yeah. Wyatt law because I kind of feel like mm, you're kind of, you're giving with one hand and you're taking away with another when it comes to tag wrestling here because you're obviously trying to get teams over and you're trying to reestablish the prestige of the, the prestige of the belts is fine with the Usos, but in terms of making contenders, yeah. this is not the way about doing it because one guy's handily plowing <laughs> through them. No matter how big he is, he's still making it look like a piece of piss. So I don't know. I'm, I, I'm unconvinced on the... I, right, I'm unconvinced on the presentation of Braun Strowman, but absolutely nobody buying the tickets for the WWE show is. So listen to them and not me. <laughs> yes. You know. Uh, we have a... Hey, Kyla! <laughs> Chatting backstage to the Brawling Brutes. Um, they think they're going to win tonight. Seamus reveals he's got a rematch with Gunther in two weeks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
uh, and uh, banger after banger after banger here. Uh, yes, Sheamus um, needs to be a Roman Reigns opponent right now because they came out on Raw and looked a little bit lost. He was with them again, and it's like, oh, your leader of your group is a top babyface, and I will buy buy them as yep. a babyface group as a result. So never separate them, for one thing, and Sheamus, presuming he loses the rematch to Gunther, needs to somehow lose upwards into something with the bloodline because instantly the three of them on camera felt like somebody's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, Drew McIntyre comes down to the ring. He's got a leather strap rather than his sword in his hand this time. Um, he says, look, everyone knows if you've got an issue with me. I'm more than ready to fight you. Uh, he slags off Karrion Cross for attacking him from behind, but he says, well done, you've got your first match, and it's a match where you can't run or hide. It's going to be a strap match with me at Extreme Rules. And we get the Karrion Cross entrance, the black and white. Scarlet enters, but... As Cross tries to jump Drew McIntyre from behind, first of all, the color comes back. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and McIntyre sees it coming and sends him shoulder first into the ring post. Finally starts getting some offense off on Cross. He uh, ties the strap to Cross, who suddenly realizes he's trapped with Drew McIntyre. Boots him. Uh, repeatedly hits carrying Cross with the strap. Scarlet tries to step in front so uh, the beatdown would end. That gives McIntyre pause. Scarlet fires a fireball at uh, Drew's face, which misses, but yeah. distracts him sufficiently. Um, <laughs> that costs Cross- not worse than getting distracted by a fireball thrown at your face. Is it? Cross uh, tries to get some offense in, but McIntyre hits him with a spine buster, regardless. And then Scarlet, because she's a Jezebel, <laughs> uh, low blows McIntyre, and uh, Cross goes, "All oh, right, I'll put you in the cross jacket again." Chokes him out and yells. You know, you fell for it. This is exactly what I wanted. Let it go. I am such a disgusting mark because I don't like either of these guys and I really want to put this segment over. Um, Drew has to lose to Cross and then go away. That's where we're at, isn't it? Yeah. Like, the guy deserves a rest anyway. Like, read about the, the food poison yeah, stuff. Fair, fair play for good. Fair play, this. man. Like, it just, anyone that's ever had food poisoning knows, basically, you just crawl around on the floor just trying to survive. Don't you You stare down that toilet bowl and think to yourself, I can't believe this is what kills me. <laughs> yeah. it, it gets that dramatically bad in the, the absolute depths of food poisoning. Um, so fair play to him for this. But in general, you know, we've talked about this, like the heel turn has got to be looming. The break should be looming even more because the character needs a rest. He's absorbing some pretty big defeats. We assume that he will absorb a big one against Karrion Cross because it's really needed to elevate Cross from this otherwise yes. fairly decent run he's had. Uh, I want to praise a couple of things here. The production uh, change from the black and white, and we assume that's probably gone now. Like... Triple H, the listening man, WWE, the <laughs> listening company, like that got that was universally rounded yeah. upon as looking really stupid and small time. So they've got rid of it. Great. The fireball was could have been a disaster, right? Because it missed by a mile. And I want to put over the what I assume to be the wrestler's instincts here by improvising something else. I, I either imagined or read this or dreamt it that this was reported afterwards as being improvised. Really? But, okay. But I don't know that. So like, don't hold me to that. But Either way, let's say it was Drew. Uh, that didn't hit me, so we're going to have to do something else here. You're going to have to put me down with something else, cross-jacket me, or whatever. Like, however they got to where they got to, because you can visualise, can't you, the straps that Drew's got the answer, he's got the strap, and then she's got a fireball. Drew could have never been prepared for fireball, and he gets, like, stretched out. Like, carrying cross releases himself from the strap and being like, you thought you had me, but, you know, whatever. Drew's selling, oh, my God, my eyes. And, like, yes, we're strapped together, but I'm weak because I've been burnt. They can't do that now. Mm-hmm. So instead, they improvise this cross-jacket thing, 
And why I think it's an improvisation is because we come back from the break and they do a slow-mo with a screenshot of the fireball going past Drew's face. So that, as you say, it distracted him, but it wasn't enough, but Cross did it with physicality instead. So they've taken something that kind of could have been laughed out of court and turned it into, yeah. like, the, the new direction is that, well, Cross has just got him beat. Strap or no strap, like, Scarlet provides a distraction and he provides a cross jacket and Drew's beat a beaten man. Yes. So they've taken something, they've pulled it out of the fire, as it were, uh, because it could have been just a disaster otherwise. It was a botch, but not a botch that impacted where this feud's going. So fair play to everybody involved, production, uh, Triple H, Cross and McIntyre themselves, and Scarlet too, because like those fireballs look like a nightmare at hand. Oh, God. Ideally, like I my experience. Think of, think of Hogan and that. Yeah, you want to you wanna slap one in a contract, if you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I like the idea of a strap match. Yeah, because it always is a bit difficult getting in and out of the ring. But they look, I hate this, but they love those matches where like people's bodies get actually hurt so they can post pictures on Instagram with backs. I don't like yeah. I don't know, It's fake. Stop, stop hurting yourself. Uh, former um, friends turned enemies, Dakota Kai and Raquel Rodriguez mm-hmm. had a match next. Um, this went 80 seconds, so I'm not going to spend too much time <laughs> on it. Um, Dakota Kai goes for that brilliant scorpion kick of hers, but Rodriguez starts fast, blocks it. Um, but of course, the rest of. Damage Katarl are out there. They distract. That allows Kai to take control. Um, but Shotzi runs out and attacks both Bailey and EO Sky. Rodriguez rolls up Kai for the quick win here. Dumb. Um, and then they get a brawl, and Rodriguez and Shotzi are standing tall. Don't work me, Paul. Do not work me. You are telling me that women's wrestling is fine again, and you are absolutely not showing it. Whether it's one match or one segment on Monday Night Raw, whether it's stupid roll-up nonsense for this. Like, he is... Uh, underserving, he is loading the deck with wrestlers you like to watch and giving them almost nothing to do week on week on week. Mm. Like it's is out of nowhere, considering the SummerSlam comeback, almost starting to feel like the women's division is where he's currently weakest. Yeah, Triple H, I would say, not good. And yet, look, Tony, two women's matches <laughs> on a two-hour wrestling show. So is that the low bar going the other way? Yep. Like there, there's a, there was at least two. So come on, yeah. Uh, main event time after the hit row uh, lost the Thurrier's bollocks. Uh, the Usos defending against Ridge and Butch. Uh, the brawling brutes, of course, for the uh, Unified Tag Team Championships. Uh, Butch is let off the leash immediately. <laughs> uh, attacks Jay, goes to the arm, bends the fingers, stomps on it. All good stuff, this. Um, and then there's a bit of a botch, but it looks really hard-hitting. Amazing. Jimmy's meant to chuck him from... J- Jimmy's meant to chuck... Butch from him to Jay, I think. It all goes wrong, but Butch just spills out to the <laughs> eats it and just makes it look mean. Sounds, sounds really cruel, this, but like, you know, when bodies, especially in wrestling, because they're such incredible athletes with such control of their own bodies, you know, when body parts flail in a way they're not supposed to, like, it's kind of arms and legs went yeah. here because it went wrong, but it was like, well, I hope you're okay because it looks like you're not. And that's the point of all this. Yeah. So we're good. Sami Zayn looks like he might get involved. Uh, Jay's chucking Butch into the barricade, and then they hit a double-team slam for a two-count to take us to a break of like, uh-oh, Broad Roots might be dead. Sheamus and Solo and Sami circling the ring were so effective in their roles here as well, mm. I thought. Really built what this match was as this like almost like a bit of gang warfare. Uh, Butch tries to fight back, uh, but gets hit with an enziguri for a near fall. Zayn almost gets involved, and then gets an argument with him and Jay amongst all this as well. Um, Butch hits Jay with an enziguri, and gets to Holland for the hot tag. Couple of near falls uh, off him running wild, but then he suddenly gets super kicked by both Usos. And then Butch, Pete Dunn, as I should probably call him, 
goes to the moonsault off the turnbuckle and gets super kicked in midair. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a spot this was. Um, great near fall as well off the back of it, as I say. Um, Butch then fires back up, snaps Jay's fingers, tags in Holland, but Jimmy's made a blind tag. Holland ducks their super kicks and picks up both Usos on his shoulders, which gets a nice reaction from the crowd, slams them. They hit their double-team finisher, and for a split second, I think, Oh, this is it. This yeah. is why we had the video package earlier. So it was like, well, there you had it. That was the tag team title run. Jay dives in right at the last second to make a brilliant save. Zane grabs a chair. Seamus pulls it away. Seamus goes to go after Zane, but Imperium jumps Seamus. And the Usos take out Ridge Bloody Holland with super kicks. Hit Butch with a 1D. 1, 2, 3. They retain the tag team titles in an excellent main event. I would classify this as a perfect TV main event. Um, you're rarely going to get like the best match of the year, not least in a situation where it's like the challengers are unlikely to dethrone the champions. But you almost don't need that from a TV main event. You need the, we've talked about this on a million podcasts, when it's Dynamite or Raw or SmackDown. You need basically 1% of doubt, don't you? And they'll get you with one near fall. And this did that. Yeah. So it gave you the one near fall. Um, you want to see teams or wrestlers if it's a singles match, but teams especially, you want to see teams look like in a main event that tag team wrestling matters the most to them. And the Usos, of course, do that very effectively at this point. But I thought this was a really good night for um, uh, the Brawling Brutes in that respect as well. Like Seamus being this, like suddenly very over baby face has elevated their whole act. But like Ridge the Fridge as a hot tag baby face. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. And like, look at him. This should have been obvious all along. Like I'm stupid for not calling it months earlier, but like absolutely Pete Dunne as the work, like proper... I'm going to invoke a favourite, proper heart foundation energy to these two because Ridge is massive and absolutely should come in fresh and absolutely terrorise the heels. Who It's WWE, they're going to bump and feed all day for you if you're good enough. And he absolutely was here. So he lived up to his billing while Pete Dunne did the work. Butch, still as Butch did the work. Uh, the folding of Imperium to it was kind of inspired mm-hmm. because now they've announced the rematch. Like we know that all is not finished and all is not concluded. So it didn't feel like, oh, we're still on with this. Like, it sort of felt like mm. it was motivated by the idea that Imperium want to pick apart at the Brawling Brutes as much as possible because Gunther feels intimidated because he's been in there with Seamus and he knows how bad it gets and all the rest of it. Loved it. Absolutely. The drama was out the ass. Like, the bloodline were just so, so over because, like, not just because of the opening segment, but because at this point they are the main event in WWE. There is, like, the New World Order, effectively, yeah. because they you have to include them in main events. They're tweeners. People love them. They love hating them. When Sammy, I want to go back to the segment because it sort of folds into the main event. When Sammy takes a T-shirt and says, I acknowledge you, Tribal Chief, like, of course he does. But then they hug and like the fans like are popping, but then they're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> because all yeah. the, he's going to do things to the good guys. Now he's acknowledging Roman Reigns. It's it, 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 like the knock-on effect to everything else, as we saw in this match and in the backstage segment. Like, nobody, I, I like Ricochet and um, Madcap Moss too, but nobody's going to root for them against Sammy <laughs> and Solo Sokoa. When you suddenly have a situation where the Usos might lose the titles to some baby faces, that is when you realise the emotional heft of this. It's like, oh, Sammy's working for the bad guys. <laughs> I thought I was happy for him, but he's working for the baddies, damn it. Yeah. Like, that's how it, like, knocks onto everything else. Brilliant. Like, absolutely, I could not, I was absolutely glowing watching this show. Could not wait to come and review, like, reviewing it yeah, with you. Yeah, me too. Um, like, a tremendous night. Absolutely genius. Uh, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed, uh, particularly Sami Zayn, being an honorary use now on Twitter, uh, at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Sorry it's gone so long this week. Back no. to LA night next week or something. I, don't know. It, we, I had a lot of fun talking about this, and it just shows that, you know, when it's good... 
You're passionate about it. No, we're not, mate. We're shills. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sid will be back a little bit later on to review AW Rampage Grand Slam. And we'll all be back to look ahead to Monday Night Raw a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.